0: The Beaux Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio.
1: Today we're going to talk about Navajo humor and why it's important to have a good sense of humor.
0: That's right. It never hurts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So why is it important in the Navajo culture?
0: Well, for one, the Navajos believe that if you don't have a sense of humor, you're not a complete human being. Something's missing. Right. And uh, so for them, having a sense of humor is not just uh, something nice, it's part of being a human being. It's part of being human, you know. And I think that in our culture, we tend to forget that, you know. We, We tend to forget that humor, in a sense, is a way to relate to each other in a non confrontational manner, you know. We don't have to talk about ourselves, we don't have to talk about the news, we don't have to talk about the weather, we can just crack a joke or Make a nice plaisanterie, you know, something funny. And very often when I meet people, I I use a sense of humor. You know, it's easy. You know. Yes. Uh, it relaxes everybody. It sort it of does. breaks the ice. Uh, and of course, with Navajos, they understand my humor very well.
1: They do. They understand uh, the European humor. I remember one time, your mother mailed you a uh, sport magazine in French. Right and uh, there was this naked guy running a streaker a streaker through the golf course and it said 19th hole on his back in large letters pointing Point. down to his rear end
0: yeah And, uh, you know, I told you, I said, show that to the teachers at school. Take it to the teacher's lounge. And you said, I'm not sure they're going to appreciate it. And they Well, because they're very
1: modest, you know, so I wasn't sure how they were going to take this joke. But they roared. Oh, they were hysterical. I was shocked. You know, they're in their 50s. They're older women. And uh, they were just laughing and laughing. They asked me if they could keep it, and I just let them have it. Yeah. I mean, what do you do,
0: right? You know, <laughs> if we're having so much fun with it, we can have the newspaper, right? Exactly. With 19 holes on somebody's back, uh, streaking naked across the golf course, right? Yeah. Obviously, it was in a newspaper, uh, a French newspaper, because it was fun, and I, I think we have a sense of humor that's in a sense very similar to European humor, like you said.
1: Yes, and you don't have to explain anything. You know, right. everybody just, they well, just start laughing.
0: You know? know, In a culture where humor is an essential aspect of being a human being, humor is appreciated. So right. if you go to somebody and uh, you, you crack a joke or you, you know, say something funny, they are not going to look at you like you're weird. They're going to appreciate it. Yes. And very often when Navajos uh, first meet us or when we first meet a uh, Navajo, and we don't know what to do you know using humor is a very good way to break the ice because it tells them something about you oh yeah and the outcome most of the time is that we're all right we have a sense of humor so we're all right and we've literally turned uh, uh, a lot of people that are sort of reticent to talk to us or you know nervous or you know hesitant or just plainly you know stern i mean they are very often very stern looking you know Uh, and you you know, you you say something funny, and we change completely.
1: Oh you know? yes!
0: And we start to talk, and you know, we never talk much, but we we open up. Yes, they do. I used to crack jokes. You know, even at the post office, I would, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, take a bunch of packages, and uh, the postman was done. And uh, he would give me the total and he would always hesitate, you know, the total for him was high, you know, we may have had $200, you know, he'd look at me and say, Alan, uh, it's $230, is that all right? And I would look at him and say, Dan, you know, it's a little high, what do you say we... Said 200, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know,
1: he would just start uh, laughing.
0: You know, and, and he would just laugh laughing. And uh, he wouldn't say, Well, I, I can't do that. He would just laugh. Right. And he would right. just smile. And then I would just pay. Of course, you can't negotiate with the US government, you know. So well, no and way, he really but, uh,
1: appreciated it because he felt bad that you had to spend so much money to ship your packages. Yeah, he, <laughs> he felt was feeling bad, yeah. guilty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he did not want me to spend that much money. And I was obviously responding to that by saying something funny, trying to negotiate. And I would do that also at the cash register at Bashers, look at the cashier and say, well, $23, would you say we had us 15 sound, right? You know, this is preposterous. And here in Arizona, in Phoenix, it doesn't quite work. But on the Navajo reservation, it works great. They love it. They just like that you have a sense of humor and they like the fact that you're not afraid to crack a joke. Because it shows a sudden easiness, right? What it says to them, I believe, is that you can relate to them as human beings. You're not afraid of them. You're not afraid to show who you are, right? Right. You're relaxed, you're open, you're willing to engage, you know, all of that, right?
1: You're approachable. You're
0: approachable, yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we always say to people that if you're going to put your photo on your business card, make sure that you smile. Yes. You know, why? Simply because you want to look approachable. And if you look stern and depressed or even, God forbid, angry, <laughs> you're not going to get much business. Who right. wants to do business with somebody that's angry? I mean, if you're angry on your business card, and things don't go right with the client. Guess what? You're, you're going to come to blows? I mean, what's next, right? But if you look friendly, you smile, it makes people want to do business with you uh, because it looks like things are going to be interesting, they're going to be fun, they're going to work out well, right? Right. And that's part of humor. I'm not saying crack a joke on your business card. I'm not saying put a joke on it, but then why not, right? We live in a society where people are very serious for the most part. Right. And any serious activity can include... Uh, a a sense of humor, you know, without really distracting from the activity just as an icebreaker.
1: Yes. And I also think understanding the Navajo culture and being able to use humor in the culture is also, um, they love that. My students love that because typically, no is not in the Navajo language. You You don't really say, you never say no. So the joke with us, with me and my students is... They would ask you something, and you have to tell them no without saying no.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, it can lead to some very interesting situations. <laughs> it does.
1: And, um, and then the other kids would jump in, or students would jump in on my side. It's like, oh, you're just going back and forth, back and forth, and everything. And it can be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And one of the games that you played with your students is you would ask them if you could borrow something from them.
1: Yes. A student came to class right after Christmas and he had this brand new winter coat. I can't remember. It was a football team, some football team. And I said, hey, that's a really cool jacket. Can I borrow it this weekend? So (laughs) that's the joke. And he's got a because he can't say no. Because he can't say no. So he's coming uh, coming up with all these things in his mind that he can say without saying no, that I can't take it home this weekend. And then one time I came to class wearing a beautiful squash blossom necklace. And one of my students was <laughs> said to me, Hey, Brio, that's a really nice necklace. I think my aunt would really like it. Do you think I could take that home with me
0: today? <laughs> Right, yeah. and you can't say no either. Right? No,
1: and I can't say no either. Exactly. So you have to
0: find out what to say because you don't want to give it to that kid either. No,
1: and if they're stuck or they honestly can't think of something to say, then you just, you just say, just kidding. Right. You know what right. I mean? And it lets everybody off the hook. Right, everybody's
0: fine and we yeah. just start again on something else. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So what other examples of humor do you have?
1: Um, just the flea market one time when we saw the Navajo t-shirts, that we thought some of the sayings were really funny. They had FBI, which is the fry bread inspector. <laughs> yeah, fry bread being
0: one of the Navajo, Navajo staple foods, yes. which is bread cooked in oil. Or dough cooked in oil.
1: Actually, I think it's cooked in lard.
0: Or dough cooked in lard. It's good. And I I remember being at a food stand in the middle of the reservation in a remote area and waiting for some fried bread to be cooked by uh, the vendor. And there was this old Navajo man next to me, and he was looking at me like, what is this white guy doing uh, here, you know, buying fried bread? And I looked at him, and I said, it's really good for your heart. Yes. And, of course, it's loaded with cholesterol and fat and whatnot. And he looked at me, and he just burst in out laughing, and then he extended his hand, and we shook hands. Yes. You know, for him, the fact that I could crack a joke, even though I wasn't the only white guy around, that was enough to just want to meet me, I guess. I was all right. Yeah,
1: just to say hi. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think a lot of uh, Navajo humor is irony, very often. It's based on that. I mean, I remember one time we were... One of the parents of your student came to see us in the mobile home, and we stepped outside, and we started talking to him, and it started raining. And I said, well, let's go inside so we don't get wet. And he looked at us, and he said, "Uh, well, we don't have to because we're not going to melt. We're not made of sugar. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Why? And we we just stayed outside because all of a sudden I felt silly that I wanted to go because there was a few drops of water coming from the sky, right? Right. But that's... Irony, you know, irony is we go inside and we don't even know why because basically we're waterproof, right? Right. It, it points out sometimes to our own uh, sort of shortcomings, you know, we our fears, you know, fear of getting sick because you eat fried bread or fear of getting wet or melting because it rains. Right. right. Things like but that. it's
1: very playful. It's um,
0: it's never insulting.
1: No, it isn't. Even You're not
0: making fun of you. They're they're just uh, sort of laughing at, at the ridiculousness of life sometimes. Right, the situation.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, there was another T-shirt that said "Retired Sheep Herder." Yes, <laughs> and you know, I mean, who, <laughs> who said that sheep herder was a job, right? right. <laughs> you know, can you really retire as a sheep herder? For a lot of people, being a sheep herder sounds like a good way to. It's when you're retirement, right oh, <laughs> you're yes. just working around the landscape, herding sheep right right so it points to the the sort of silliness of life, yeah, that being a sheep herder is a job, and uh, at some point you retire. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> something we never thought about right before. i don't know
0: that anybody any sheep herder ever retires you know? yes and, and i wanted to buy the t-shirt we did not and of course we could make our own but it was funny you know it was another yeah. one was um, mary had a little lamb and grandma butchered it
1: yes exactly. because we
0: eat mutton yes. and so the little lamb that mary had um, grandma used it to make uh, mutton stew <laughs> it, it sounds a little cruel, but it's not. I mean, it's just the irony of life. You know, it's it's also very often a joke or a play on white culture, because uh, white culture is where that fable comes from, right? You know, Mary had a little lamb, and uh, for them, it's not really part of their culture. They eat the lamb, and so. You know, Mary may have a little lamb, but grandma is going to butcher it at some point. Right? <laughs> <Yes. You know. laughs> it's a comparison between Anglo culture and Navajo culture. You play with the lambs, we eat them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we have to eat something, right? The last one that I remember is, I love matriarchy, as right. a t-shirt right. saying, because the Navajo culture is a matriarchal society. And so it's basically the women are in control and they own the land. And in the old days when uh, a couple did not get along, the woman would take the saddle, throw it out of the window, and tell the man to go see somewhere else. And so you, you can see that t-shirt worn by a woman, a Navajo woman, and how much sense it makes. Because right. after all, they are, they are in their right to wear that because it's a matriarchal society.
1: Yes, and the, um, even to this day, If the family is making a decision, they will ask the grandmother and they will listen to her, her answers and what she recommends and her advice in regards to maybe a problem that the family has collectively and with a solution.
0: Yeah, the grandmother is still the center of the family, the most important person in the family, right?
1: Yes, she takes care of also all the children and grandchildren, usually, when everybody else is working. She, right. Grandma raises a lot of the children.
0: In Monion Valley, there is an exhibit on Navajo grandmothers, and they say the grandmother is the glue that holds the family together. Mm-hmm. It's really the binding element, because everybody respects her, and she's got authority. Navajo culture is, unlike our culture, a culture in which ancestors and older people are respected. Their knowledge is respected. Their wisdom is respected. They don't put them into a home to forget about them. They actually uh, make them the center of of their family life.
1: Yes, and they take them everywhere with them. They take them everywhere, yeah. Yeah.
0: And they do a lot for them because, obviously, as they get older, they can't do much. Mm -hmm. It's one of the differences with our culture where, basically, when people get older in white culture, in in Anglo culture, they get parked somewhere. Well, in Navajo culture, they actually become more at the center. Yeah, they get more to the center.
1: Yeah, and the children all help out mm-hmm. and take care of uh, right, mom and dad and grandma. Big
0: difference, yeah. So I have a story to tell. <laughs> oh, you do. Let's hear it. <laughs> a funny story. So this son, all now. Navajo man, who lives uh, in a remote area of the reservation, gets a visit by an FBI inspector, not a private inspector. This is uh, a Federal Bureau of Investigation inspector, FBI. And the inspector tells him, he says, uh, I'm going to have to go look for your property, your house, your fields, because uh, I'm on an FBI investigation here where we're looking for illegal items. So he's on official business. Exactly, he's on official business. And the the old Navajo man says, uh, well... So be it, you know, just don't go in that film back there. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there.
1: That should have already been a clue. <laughs> right.
0: And the FBI inspector says, uh, you know, I have authority to go anywhere I want, whenever I want, however I want. I carry a badge. And he shows him his FBI badge. He says, that's my FBI badge. That means I'm an FBI member and uh, I can go anywhere. And you don't have to tell me what to do. And the old Nabarov looks at him and he says, then okay. I mean, if you have the badge and you've got the authority, so be it, right? So off goes the FBI man straight into uh, the field where he was told not to go. And soon enough, he comes back running with a ball behind him. A big, <laughs> <laughs> a big ball with horns that basically just you know, wants to gore him. him you know, <laughs> There's no other words. And he yells at the old Navajo man, help me, please help me. And the Navajo man looks at him and says, your badge. Show him your badge. <laughs> 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 Since, you know, you're so smart, right? You know? oh, right? I mean, the badge is the key, so the ball will understand, <laughs> hopefully. <right? laughs> but I think that's, that's typical of Navajo humor, which is an irony very often. And when you think about it, irony is the most difficult of the figures of speech. Metaphor being the most common, something that looks like something else. Metonymy being the second one, something that stands the whole for the parts. Metonymy saying, today the White House uh, said that they were going to sign a treaty with whoever. The White House doesn't sign anything. <laughs> right. The White House is a building. What it means is the U.S. government, or president. And so it's a metonymy the sum for the parts, you know, the whole for the parts. And irony is two things that are in conflict, like the fact that you have a badge and you have authority and you think it can do everything, but in reality, it doesn't work with animals, especially not angry balls, right? And that's the irony. He thinks he's totally in control, but actually it's not in control at all. Okay. And certainly not in control of Navajo life. Very often, uh, Navajo humor pits their culture, you know, Navajo culture, against white culture. That uh, if it had been a Navajo FBI inspector, he probably would have understood that oh, yes. <laughs> the badge wasn't going to work. <laughs> you know? no. right. right. Yeah. Yeah, so I have another story, this time with uh, NASA. NASA goes to the reservation to do a little bit of investigating as to. Uh, you know, what the Navajos would like to put on the disk that's going to be sent to space to act as a message in case there's aliens out there, you know. Uh And so they think, well, you know, because the Navajos are such a a large uh, group of Native Americans and because we want to respect Native American beliefs, we, we want to include something said by the Native Americans to aliens if they potentially exist, right? So they go around the reservation and they meet different Navajos and eventually they go see this medicine man and he says uh, okay, I'll write something for you, you know, I'm, I'll write it in Navajo and I'll give it to you. And so he writes something and gives it to them and the NASA people are, you know, don't really want to be pressing too much so they don't ask what it means and they just take it that this man you know, is honest and uh, he's a medicine man and he's wise and won't we'll just put that on the on the disk, you know, that we are going to send into space. But, you know, just out of curiosity, because they have this nagging question, they just go around the reservation asking people what they think of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't really know what it means. but they, So they show it to people around the reservation, and every time they show it, people laugh their heads off. Right. <laughs> they, they just read it and they, they look at the NASA people and they just laugh their heads off. And they say, well, what do you think? They say, I, I think it's very appropriate. I think you should put it. In. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes. And eventually, you know, the NASA people, they get a little antsy and they, they go to a, another Navajo medicine man and say, come on, tell us what it means. Translate it first. And the Navajo medicine man looks at the, the sentence and says, what it means, what it says is... Uh, this it says, uh, don't trust these people. They are going to steal your land. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's basically why everybody was laughing because what happened is the U.S. government, according to the Navajo, stole their land. Right. And so they want the aliens to be aware of that. <laughs> and, you know, don't make the same mistake we made. <laughs> don't trust them. You know. It's a way to deal with stress, right? Mm-hmm. How do yeah, you combat yes. stress? You, you laugh at it, and uh, definitely. Uh, Losing your land is most likely... I mean, I don't know about it. I haven't lost my land, but it's a very stressful thing. There's no doubt. And how do you deal with it? Well, that's one way. It's humor, you know. Mm-hmm. Humor is a way to make things right, in a sense, to reestablish a source of balance. Right. Right. But if something is of balance, somebody stole from you, and you can laugh at it, you're probably doing more good than if you keep hating the person for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. They always, um, like... If there's conflict or something happening, like, remember the one time you were photographing with your 4x5 camera, these very... Um,
0: the Hopi masks. The Hopi yeah. masks. In Canyon de Chez, very remote area, giant painting, a pictograph, hundreds, if not thousands of years old. And I was setting up my camera, and I was ready to photograph, and every time I would take a photograph, the 4x5 film wouldn't close properly or wouldn't open, or something would go wrong.
1: Right. And he was watching...
0: Well, we had a guide, and he was watching, and he could see that it wasn't working for me. I I was getting frustrated, but I was not angry. I was just... I could not understand what was going on. And he went to me, he came to me, and he said... uh, it's those damn Hopis. Yeah, they said, don't do that to you every time. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> you know? He said you just have to laugh at it, You just Alan. have to laugh
0: at it. And I laughed at it because I knew that the Navajos and the Hopis don't get along at all and they, they have all sort of nasty story with each other. And I laughed at it because it was coming from Navajo. And guess what? The minute I laughed at it, it worked. And the next thing I know, I had the shot and we moved on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I don't know if I relaxed because I was doing something wrong or if he chased the evil spirits, but it worked. Whatever happened, it worked.
1: Right. Well, I know he wanted to help you because he yeah. was watching you struggle.
0: And it's it's very difficult to, to know what happened, but eventually what matters is that it worked. And very often I've noticed that if you use humor in a stressful situation, things get better. Yeah. You relax the situation. You sort of get back into the right way of thinking. Instead of focusing on the stress or the, the negative, you relax and you clear your mind in a way. hmm
1: I just, I remember one situation where I went to a a Navajo wedding, and I was the only white female in a kitchen of Navajos, so of course they looked at me and they said, oh, come on in. So I just went into the kitchen, and they all were speaking Navajo and stuff, and so I was just observing of them and watching them, because it was a wedding, so they were cooking some traditional dishes, and... I mean, they have to feed everybody at the wedding. So they Mm -hmm. were preparing a lot of food. So I was in there trying to help them. And (laughs) I just remember that one of the ladies thought that they had run at a tinfoil or something, and they needed the tinfoil to cook with. And so they called uh, a man. He came into the kitchen. They called him in, and they said to him in Navajo that they needed some tinfoil when they need it fast, you know. So he's got to jump in his truck and run into town and get Mm. some tinfoil. So after he jumps in his truck and takes off, she opens up a cupboard and sees a bunch of (laughs) tinfoil. And we all were just laughing our heads off. It's just situations.
0: It is the irony again where, you you know, know? this man has to drive to town to get something (laughs) which is in the closet.
1: Yes. And there's plenty of it. Yeah. I mean, there's like stacks of it.
0: (laughs) Because irony is basically comparing two situations that are very similar.
1: Right. And even though I don't speak Navajo, but I was in the situation with them, I could clearly understand what was going on and was laughing along with them. Well, you don't need to
0: understand what they are saying. You can (laughs) just look and see that there is (laughs) the tinfoil right Right, there.
1: And I would just play jokes and stuff with my students. I think a good sense of humor is very important.
0: Well, yeah, I think it's, like they say, it makes you more human. You know, that part of being human is having a good sense of humor or having a sense of humor, period. A lot of people don't have any sense of humor. I mean, I was talking to a salesman over the phone the other day, talking with a car, and I was trying to actually relax him to make the situation more pleasant, and he just could not, uh, this guy would not laugh, you know, forget it, you know. Right. I mean, I'm the one that's going to have to shell out the big bucks, you know. So, in a sense, I shouldn't be the one cracking the jokes, right? I'm more relaxed than he is. You know what I'm saying?
1: And he's the salesperson. He's He's the salesperson. He's supposed to be relaxing you. (laughs) Yeah, he's
0: supposed to be relaxing me. He's not even supposed to be stressed at all because, after all, he doesn't have to pay for anything. He's just going to get it, right? I'm the one that has to pay, you know, large amounts because these are expensive things. But he's the one stressed and I'm the one relaxed, right? right. Why is that? Probably because having a sense of humor helps. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm going to buy whatever at whatever price. I ended up actually not buying anything because the deal wasn't very nice. But it's not the point. The point is we, we can have a sense of humor and we can be serious at the same time. Yes. We can be in a serious situation with a good sense of humor. The two are not incompatible. Because you have to look at the irony, you know, of, uh, of things, you know, the, the funny side of things, you know. I think it was uh, one of the comics on TV that said that humor uh, comes from having problems. I think oh. it's Steinfeld that said, uh, I find humor in, in problems. And because I live in New York City, I have many problems. So I have an endless source of, of jokes, you know. Oh, yes. It's comparing things. I mean, you look at or a lot of his humor is comparing things. It's pointing to the absurdity of life very often. You right. know, the, the fact that people do one thing and then in the larger context of their life, it, it actually means nothing at all. You know.
1: Well, in the teaching environment, on the reservation, I could laugh at myself. I laughed at myself all the time in my classroom. If, if I made a mistake or whatever, I would just laugh. But um, the teachers that couldn't laugh at themselves for doing whatever... Man, they were stressed to the max and just angry, and they didn't last very long either. You know, and I was like, if you can't laugh at yourself, or laughing at
0: yourself means that you basically you're a little bit like if you were waterproof, you shed things off. Like with that salesperson over the phone, I was negotiating a little bit, and. He was like, well, you know, this is the price, you know, this is the deal, you know, this is why it's expensive, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, well, you know, I like to negotiate and I don't know if it's because I was born in April or I don't know if it's because I'm French, but that's just the way I like to do things. And this is funny for me, you know, because I'm laughing at myself, right? You know, I'm, I'm French, I'm born in April. Does that have anything to do with the desire to negotiate? Absolutely not. I don't think there is anything there that has any relationship to it. But it's funny. You should have just laughed and said, you know, I I know I'm born in July and I'm American and I like to negotiate too. That would have been a great answer. Right. So we find some common ground. But it's important to be able to laugh at yourself because if somebody says something nasty about you and you take it seriously, you're going to be in trouble all the time. Yeah. I mean, if somebody says, well, you know, uh, you've got this problem. The best way to deal with it quickly is to just laugh at it and be able to respond with a joke, you know very often when you don't know what to say when you walk into a store and they ask you how can I help you very often humor is a very good answer yes I like to say to store owners that in the past I could read the signs but I couldn't afford the merchandise and now that I can afford it I can't read the signs anymore (laughs) they laugh at that, they're like well I I can relate to that and I say yeah so if you don't mind can you read me that price here (laughs) And, and we just, it's fun right
1: it is, or even just at Safeway the other night when we saw Jordan, the cashier that we usually right. go to, and you said, wow, we've only been here for a f- few minutes and you've uh, restocked the shelves, you bagged groceries, and now you're checking us out.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. And I even told her that it was job security because we couldn't get rid of her it's- since she's the good all-around employee, basically. She is. Yeah, and she laughed, you know. But I remember being at Safeway one time and we bought these uh, Brussels sprouts on a stock,
1: Oh, and yes. this thing was
0: literally dripping wet. I mean, literally, you know, large amounts of water coming out of it. And the cash, the bagger looks at me and he says, would you like a bag? I mean, would you like me to put it in a plastic bag? And I looked at him and I said, I think so, because I'd rather not have my car turn into a swimming pool. Right. And I'm not even sure if he laughed, actually.
1: You know. No, but the guy behind you the, was yeah, hysterical.
0: The, another patron, another customer laughed, but the, the bagger did not laugh, you know? I mean, you know, we drive a luxury car. I'm not going to put something running with water in it. You know, I mean, come on. You know? Well, I think he also
1: didn't realize. I don't even know if he knew what it was because he said, "Would you like your plant in a bag?
0: <laughs> Maybe he thought it was a decorative thing. I yeah. don't know. No, it's I uh, know it's for food. Yeah. So many cashiers don't know anything about vegetables. You bring a leek, and they look at you, and they're like, "What is that?" And I say, "It's a leak. You should try it sometime. It's good for you." You know, <laughs> you know. Did you eat your vegetables today? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that if that Brussels sprouts on a stalk was some plant, you know, that we were going to put in a pot. <laughs> it's a good idea to work the store once in a while. Right. You know, <laughs> just to discover what you're you're selling. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, But I I like it. I mean, I think think that very often, you know, in a negotiating situation or in a buyer-seller relationship, having a sense of humor can be advantageous to you because you relax, and sometimes you throw the other party off because they don't understand how you can be relaxed dealing with large numbers, for example.
1: Right. I know at the cooking class at Blackstone, you get everybody to relax up there, even the chef if he's a little stressed. And he was teaching us how to make those cristinis last weekend. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's showing us how to put it all together on top and everything. And then you said, and then take one more piece of prosciutto and just wrap the whole thing in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I remember he just looked at yeah. you with this big old smile. He did not get it at face. first when he laughed his head off. Yeah, yes. and
0: that, that's really hyperbole. You know, hyperbole is the art of exaggeration. And you know, you take a nice little you know what do you call it? Uh,
1: I don't know if it's called crostini. The
0: crostini where you have uh, a piece of bread, a little bit of prosciutto, a little bit of apple. You know, little yeah, little pieces little of prosciutto, apple, and vegetables, a peach. We and then peach. peach, and then some salad. So it's very well organized, very balanced. And then you take one large slice of prosciutto and you wrap the whole damn thing in it <laughs> right. that, that's exaggeration but at the same time it sure is going to taste great oh yes you
1: know? definitely yeah.
0: plus it's going to hold everything together yes. <laughs> you, know?
1: you won't have it's, stuff it's going to be easier sides. to
0: hold it's not going to fall so yeah it's uh, very practical mm. to me uh, doing an activity that is not my profession but I do for leisure. It has to be fun. Right. I think it's very important. And even activities that are my profession, I think it's important that they are fun as well. I, I tell students very often that, uh, you know, if they do photography and it's not fun, something is wrong because it's supposed to be fun. Yes. You're supposed to have a good time doing it. You're supposed to enjoy yourself. You're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to crack jokes.
1: I used to tell my students that. When they came into my classroom, I said, you know, art is supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun in here, then look into taking another elective because this is supposed to be fun.
0: Some (laughs) art is actually impossible to understand if you don't consider the angle of humor. There is a lot of humor in modern art and in postmodern art. Modern art is somewhat serious at times. But if you look at cubism, there is a certain sense of humor. That we are looking at people from different angles. Yes. And of course, you know, that's uh, a very formal approach, you know. But at the same time, it's funny to put a pair of lips on somebody's forehead. Right. Don't think that that was lost on Picasso and Braque and the other Cubists. They liked it. I mean, what about surrealism? Where Anything goes. They're having fun. Right. right? I'm not saying they're having fun on each and every piece, but they are having fun on a number of pieces. They are. Postmodern theory, modernist theory, there's a lot of fun in it, you know. Automatic writing, which was, you know, Andre Breton, you know, the beginning of surrealism was Andre Breton and automatic writing, where you write in the dark without looking at what you do. How could you since you're in the dark, right? But the idea is to write as if you're writing automatically without thinking. You shut down your brain and whatever comes out, comes out. There's a very large part of humor in that. Yes. Because the outcome can be and very often is funny. And if you can't laugh at it, what are you going to do with it? Throw it away? I can't keep that because it's not serious. I mean, we are not writing a legal brief here.
1: Right. You
0: know, I mean, automatic writing is designed to trigger something that's unconscious. And it doesn't have to be funny, but it can, and very often it is funny. And it's very often funny because of what comes out. And it's not necessarily funny to you, but it's funny to people that read it because they, they can't believe what you came up with. It's unlike you, right? Right. There's a very large part of humor. I mean, deconstructive theory is very, very funny, you know. There's some very funny aspects to it. Postmodernism. Lyotard has a book called Postmodernism Explained to Children. I mean, the (laughs) title is supposed to be funny, you know. People are like, Postmodernism Explained to Children, what does that mean? What it means is that it's funny. Right. It's written in a simple way that children can understand. And it was published into a uh, series that's designed to make it, under, to make complex things understandable by the layman, right, right. or lay people. Right. In reality, postmodernism explained to children is as complicated as postmodernism explained to grown-ups. There is absolutely no difference. Once you start to read the book, it's very, I mean, you have to get deep into it. It's not easy to understand. But the title is funny.
1: Right. One of the books I really enjoyed reading was, well, the title of the book is called, um, the politically correct bedtime stories. Sure, yeah. Oh, that's that, hilarious. That's that would a riot. Yeah. Make me, you know, just yeah. laugh and laugh and laugh.
0: The grandmother in uh, the yes, little red riding hood is a cross dresser. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and she has, uh, she's other, right? You yes. know. And the wolf has uh, problems, right? <laughs> and I think we have to be able to laugh at all of that. We. A very good approach, you know, talking about photography to becoming more creative is to have actually a sense of humor, to look at things with a sense of humor. Right. It's very well known in writing, for example, that having a sense of humor is going to open the doors to creativity. Well, I
1: know when we go back to the reservation and we see some of our friends, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've known for many, many years, we laugh a lot. I've noticed right. that. Because they you know,
0: they understand and they appreciate humor. It's very difficult to enjoy a fine meal with people that don't appreciate fine food. Mm-hmm. You know, might as well just go to McDonald's, right? And we'll have the same experience. So the same with humor. It's very difficult to enjoy humor with people that don't appreciate humor. Right. The minute you have somebody who appreciates what you appreciate, you're going to do more of it, right? I remember one of the short stories that I read when I was in a creative writing class at NAU was about uh, it was a book titled uh, How Things Fall Apart and What's Left When They Do oh. know, by <laughs> Alan Woodman, right, I remember. And one of the stories was about the use of videotape about this man and his wife, every time every morning when he wakes up, the bed spread has fallen off the bed and we have no idea how it got to the floor. Right. <laughs> and we are very intrigued and of course the whole thing is preposterous because who cares you know right. but we are very intrigued and so he says to his wife he says I'm just going to set up the video camera on a tripod looking at the bed and I'm going to turn it on when I go to bed and then in the morning I'll see when and how the bedspread fell on the floor Right. so they do just that she's in with it she's okay you know we go to sleep and in the morning sure enough the bedspread is on the floor so he goes to the videotape watches the tape And what happened is the battery ran dead, died before the bedspread fell. (laughs) (laughs) So they can't know how it fell. And he gives up on the whole thing. He's so fed up with it, he's like, you know, I never know, right? And that's the end of the story. It's called a short, short story. A short, short story is a short story that's even shorter than a short story. It's like two pages. It's funny. Right. But if you set to create something that's funny, it inspires you. you know? yeah. And it's also irony because, after all, who cares if we know why the bedspread fell or not and how it did? It all happens to all of us, right? But uh, this man has made it a goal in his life to figure out how that bedspread falls and when and why and, and all of that. And he can't figure it out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. You know? you know, we watch movies. I mean, movies have an enormous amount of humor. I mean, Sherlock Holmes, you know, with uh, the modern version of Sherlock Holmes where he's found naked on the bed attached to the bed head with uh, handcuffs. Right. And the maid walks in and she's horrified and he looks at her and he says, don't be alarmed. I'm a professional. I do (laughs) this for a living. (laughs) It's hilarious. It is. You know, I mean, and we don't realize how much humor actually surrounds us, you know, and when we want entertainment, entertainment is very much humor. And humor, very often, the one that really gets us going at a high level of sophistication is irony. The irony of having a detective locked to the bed with handcuffs and telling the maid that he's operational. Operational of what? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what exactly do, you do It doesn't look like you're doing much investigating right now. You know? <laughs> but we need to laugh, I think. We, we really, uh, it's important. The Reader's Digest used to have a column called uh, Laughing is the Best Medicine. Oh, yes. Or Laughter is the Best medicine, medicine. Yeah. yeah. It used
1: the, to be one whole page of, yeah, all of yeah. these little... And <laughs>
0: and that was always the part I read. <laughs> yes,
1: I did too.
0: <laughs> because there's so many things that can be made funny, you know. Uh, you know, like people say, why do you drive the car you drive, you know? I mean, we obviously don't need to drive a Bentley, right? And I tell them, I say, uh, I like this car because it has a big trunk. <laughs> And uh, when they don't believe me, I tell them I say I like it because it has four seats. Yes. <laughs> it has two doors but four seats. And people realize that I'm not taking it seriously. I'm I'm and they start to laugh, but it's it's I'm trying to get them over the the hump in a way, you know. I mean there is a lot of cars with a large trunk and most cars have four seats. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so why this one, you know? But it's also Trying to decompress the situation and, and just laughing at yourself, you know. So I think we have uh, branched out from Navajo humor into humor in general and uh, having yeah. fun and and
1: how important it is, how to important have a good it is, sense of humor. and
0: not only in life and not only in human relations, but also in artwork, in creating art, but having a sense of humor and uh, creating things that you know are entertaining in a way, right?
1: It, it, that are whimsical and
0: exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just have fun with Something it. Something
0: you may want to try in your own work, <laughs> right? Yes.